0: Well, I have been uh, preaching a series entitled, It Is Finished, and you can see we had this cross put here purposely, and um, uh, I am going to continue on that series today. I am excited about the word. I have been talking about the different places that Jesus shed blood from, from his body. And whether you've ever heard this before or not, whether it ever dawned on you or not, that each place where Jesus shed blood from, it actually broke a specific curse. Just like it tells us in Isaiah 53, by the stripes on his back, the flogging that he received, we are healed. Peter picks this up in the New Testament after the fact. Isaiah prophesied this a minimum of 500 years before the Christ, and he prophesied this, and Peter picks it up and reiterates it, that by the whipping uh, that he uh, incurred on his back, we are healed. So there are different places that Jesus shed blood, and symbolically they broke literal, real curses over our lives. My message this morning is entitled Battered and Bruised. Battered and Bruised. I'm, I'm gonna turn to, and I'd love for you to turn to if you have a, your Bible on your app or your telephone or your iPad, or if you're old fashioned like me and you have a paper Bible. I, I'll never forget my son Robbie, who is now in San Diego. Uh, probably seven years ago, he was trying to move me to going towards paperless. Everything had to be electronic. And uh, he says, Dad, paper's out, paper's out, everything's electronic. Well, you know, it's easy when you're born into the world and that's the go, but when you're a little bit more ancient like me, sometimes it's a little bit slow to change. How many of you are with me? All right, and everyone else is lying. I'm kidding. And uh, (laughs) so uh, he's forever just harping on, even at the church. Everything's got to be electronic. Everything's got to be electronic. No paper. And so one day I was at home and uh, he was in the littlest room in the house and he says, Hey, dad, we ran out of toilet paper. Can you get me a roll of toilet paper? And I handed him my iPad. (laughs) I said, We've gone paperless, son. Yeah, praise God. So if you have a paper Bible, you can open it. And uh, we're going to read from Isaiah 53, verse 2 to 3. I'm reading this verse from the New King James Version. This is what it says. By the way, Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about a suffering servant. Now, what makes this so unique? and difficult to translate for the Hebrew people is that the prophet literally says that this man, whoever he was, became the sacrifice for our sins. That he, like a sacrificial lamb under the Mosaic law, that his blood would atone for us and that by his suffering paying a price vicariously for us, he would take on him the sins that we were guilty of. And so to the Hebrew mind who who were looking forward to a Messiah who was going to break the... Rulership of the Roman Empire off their nation. They had been ruled by Greece. They had been ruled by Babylon. They had been ruled by the Medes and the Persians. They were looking for a political Messiah. That's the problem sometimes with the church. We look for a political Messiah. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He was the answer, and he'll always be the answer. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. Absolutely. I vote. I do all that stuff. But I pray a lot more than I'll ever talk about politics. And I will believe God for a supernatural awakening to come to America. We need a great awakening again. Absolutely. Yes. Amen. So Isaiah 53 talks about this mysterious being who is a human being and yet God was going to put the sin of the world on him. Very hard for Hebrews to interpret this passage without acknowledging that a Messiah is going to come and he will come to die and pay for the sins and then not have to look at Jesus Christ and wonder, if he was the Messiah. But we understand these things. And so I'm going to read just a couple of verses from this passage. The whole passage talks about Christ. It is prophetic. It says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Now, it thrills my heart that we have a high priest who understands all the garbage we go through. And it thrills my heart that God didn't see fit to just cause this Messiah to pay the price for my sins so that I could have my name written in the book of life. But he allowed this Messiah to suffer the consequences of sin, to be wounded, to be rejected, to be despised, so that why, why does it talk about this in the suffering servant chapter or the chapter of atonement? It talks about it because Jesus paid the price even for the pain we bear emotionally. He bears the price for the rejection that you and I have suffered in various occasions and arenas of our life. And I love the fact that Jesus came to save us to the uttermost. He didn't just came to take care of spiritual business and redeem me from hell to heaven. And that's the best and and the biggest factor. And I will never never negate that. But I love the fact that he's also come to fine tune the rest of me. And he's come to fix me up so that life on earth won't be hell on earth. God never intended it to be hell on earth. Not in the garden of Eden and not in now. If he did, he wouldn't have taught us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To me, that's a call for revival. That's where the church should be aiming. We should believe and be believing for an awakening so that the will of God is done on earth just like it is in heaven. And the natural mind can say, well, that's impossible and that's crazy. And I'm not saying that everyone will conform to that, but I am saying, Saying, Jesus told us to pray that way, therefore, we should hope with anxious expectation that there will be a move of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an agreement? <clears throat> it was never God's will for us to live a hell on earth or Jesus never would have taught us to pray, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was never God's will for us to live a life that's like hell on earth. And I know that because Jesus came, the Bible says, and he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God. If it is God's will for you to live a life on earth that is full of hell, then the kingdom of God is meant to be full of hell. I don't live in the kingdom of darkness. I live in the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter one makes it very clear that he, Jesus Christ, redeemed us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of God. Now, if you're meant to be miserable and suffer like you were in hell, then hell's meant to be in the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna tell you right now, that is diabolical, that is not the will of God. Hallelujah. The redeemer has come to redeem. The savior has come to save. The healer has come to heal. Come on, somebody get excited. I thank God that God doesn't just piecemeal out his salvation. Well, I'm going to give you a little bit now but uh, you got to wait till eternity. Hey listen if I need victory to overcome if I need power, if I need the power of the name of Jesus it's in a broken, mixed up world that is filled with shadowy figures. I need in this world the power of the name of Jesus so that I can push the gates of hell back just like Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church it's the church that's meant to be moving forward and the kingdom of darkness moving backward it's the gates of hell that won't prevail against the church of Jesus Christ come on now if you agree with that theology if you agree with the word of God say yes it says of this savior this messiah the one who's come to pay the price. Could you imagine he pays the price and then you got to live with the consequences of what he paid the price for? If he paid the price, he came to rescue you from the indebtedness to what he had to pay the price for. Is, can you agree with that? It says, he has no form or comeliness And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised. He's rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In the New International Version, it writes it this way. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. You see, what this tells me is that he wasn't built like and he didn't look like Chris Hemingworth. You do know who Chris Hemingworth is, right? Hemworth. Hemworth, sorry. Uh, His face would never have been on the cover of GQ. His body would never have made the cover of muscle and fitness. In other words, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest, he probably would have been a 2 or 3. You see, we live in a society where success is equated with good-looking, trim, uh, you know, you want to be popular, you want to be successful, you've got to have the look of a near-perfect being. I didn't come out that way. When I popped out, I was all shriveled up. I looked like a rubber Gumby. In fact, I probably looked a lot more like E.T. My head was probably shaped like Gumby. It was bent through the birth canal and then took a couple of days to come back into shape. But the reality is that most of us aren't a perfect ten. And I love the fact that God didn't succumb to the craziness of the world and made Jesus the fashion statement of the day. I love the fact that Jesus didn't have a chiseled jawline and he was like the Incredible Hulk. I like the fact that he bore on himself all the inadequacies inadequacies that are visible in my physical body and my physical features. I love the fact that he was not even ordinary. The Bible says, not Rob Scarallo, so I'm not being blasphemous. The Bible says there was nothing comely about him, nothing majestic, nothing that would make us just swoon towards him. What drew people to the Christ was not physical attributes or a natural charisma or well-defined features. What drew people to Jesus Christ was the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the fact that his words had life and they had power. I love the fact that God puts importance where importance should be. Somebody say amen. Because of this, he was despised. He was rejected. He was considered of low esteem. You think you have low esteem issues. Jesus was considered of low esteem. You know, it, it, it amazes me that at the fall, the first thing that happened at the fall, there was instantaneously a rift, a separation from man's spirit to God's spirit. And we see it physically play out just a few moments later after God prophesies to the serpent. He prophesies to the woman what the consequences that she has unleashed. He prophesies to the man the consequences that he has unleashed by not being the head and not taking his authority. God then pulls them out of the Garden of Eden, closes the curtain, and God... Never walked on the face of the earth again. Sin separates. And so the very first consequence, the very first curse, the very first penalty was that the intimate knowledge and relationship that man had with God now became a long distance relationship. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah, praise God. He looked like somebody who had low self-esteem. You see, he deliberately came looking like me because he was gonna pay the price for every curse that came on my life and every curse that was ever spoken over my life. He came and he paid the price for every curse that was ever spoken over your life. And if you've ever struggled with low esteem, if people have ever spoken words over your life that have dented your confidence and uh, thwarted the image of your personality, Jesus Christ came the way he came so that he could carry the inner workings of the pain that you and I live with and die on the cross, put his blood on it, And bury it there so that you and I could be set free from it. Amen. You see, his birth, even his birth, was a birth that drew speculation. Even his birth. I mean, the Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary weren't wedded yet. And so in that Jewish religious culture, think about it. Here's Mary and Joseph going uh, away to pay taxes and you know marries with child, people would start to wonder who played hanky-panky even in this society. But that much more in a religious, a very strict legalistic religious environment, her virgin birth be caused him to become the object of question of uh, uh, of debate of sinister imagination from the moment he was conceived there was a question of his legitimacy from the moment he was conceived it was a question of was this union outside of god's blessing Mary and Joseph were not married. And all through his little childhood, while Joseph did marry Mary, all through his childhood, he carried on him the speculation of gossiping minds and wagging tongues. You see, there was a time when Jesus came to his hometown and he started to do a few miracles and he couldn't do many. You know why he couldn't do many? They looked at him and they said, wait a minute, he was one of us. Isn't this Mary's boy? They weren't sure if it was Joseph's boy. Isn't this Mary's? And God ordained that this last Adam would be born in an environment of rejection because the first curse that came into the Garden of Eden was man's separation from his creator. Rejection. Sin will cause a separation. And the very curse that Jesus started to carry on himself from conception was rejection due to the speculation of his legitimacy I thank God that Jesus Christ is my Savior and he came to save me from every wicked curse imaginable. I thank God that everything the devil vomited up on humanity, Jesus took it on himself so that you and I could be clean and free. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. Yeah. I will sing for 10,000 years and it will seem like the beginning that he has washed my sins away and wrote my name in the book of life. But I am equally as happy today that he also died to deal with the garbage dump that used to be inside of me. And he has taken them out thread by thread, brick by brick. And he has rebuilt this man on the word of God. And he has given me the mind of Christ. And he has made me a co heir with Jesus, and the lies of the devil don't stick anymore. I thank God for total salvation. He cares about every nook and cranny of me. He cares about every nook and cranny of you. Every wound, every hurt, every rejection, every scar, every lie that has been spoken over you, every, every curse, every wound that has broken your heart. From a failed marriage to failing parents who were wounded themselves. I thank God that Jesus went to the cross to pay for the consequences of all sin. Are you with me, church? If I haven't proven my point yet, let the word of God speak even more. So we're gonna go back and read. He was acquainted. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. If we skip down to verse 5, two verses from the last verse we read, look at this. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. If you read this in context, verse 2 to verse 5, these bruises, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised Emotionally, the context here is rejection. The context here is low self esteem. The context here is that people weren't drawn to him, there was nothing comely about him. The context here is the emotional scars that every one of us so deliberately tried to hide so that the outside of us looks normal while the inside of us is very broken at times. Can I get a couple of whispers of amens? What's a bruise? Let's let's switch over to the natural for a moment. Because the Bible, the prophet is using a term that we understand on a natural level, a bruise. He was bruised. What, What is a bruise? You see, a bruise isn't an open wound. A bruise is the result of receiving trauma, and unless you were there to witness the trauma, you don't know that person received the trauma. There is not an open wound to signify it, and it's an injury that took place under the skin. It's hidden, and capillaries were broken or crushed, and it causes bleeding under the skin, and what you see is not the wound. What you see is the consequences of the wound. You see, that is exactly and I love the fact that God knows how to pair his words. He paired these words in this paragraph because emotional wounds, when we are traumatized, when we are stigmatized, when we are wounded from childhood to adulthood, from the cradle to the grave, the enemy's always looking to use people to wound us. Sometimes those that should have been our closest friends. And the wounds that we receive emotionally and mentally, people don't always see the impact of the wound when it happened, and they don't see an open wound. But what they do see in us are the black and blues or the consequences of those wounds and suddenly we're a little bit different in certain areas than other people and under certain circumstances we react a little bit odd or we get these knee-jerk reactions or we get caught into like a trance because suddenly memories are screaming through our head. I love the fact that Jesus paid the price so I could have eternal life, but I also love the fact that Jesus paid the price so that I could have life and life more abundantly right now as well. Can I get an agreement? And so emotional bruises are just like physical bruises. Hence the Bible says he was bruised for our iniquity. He was literally bruised, but he was bruised and he paid the price for the emotional scars. There isn't a person in this room except for a newborn baby that hasn't experienced some kind of emotional wounds or scars throughout their life. Marriage is meant to be the most happy place God ordained it to be, but it often isn't. And some of us here are victims of divorce, and maybe once, maybe twice, and maybe more. I love the fact that Jesus. There's a story in the New Testament that so relates to today's society. His disciples went off to McDonald's. They were having an argument. Should we go to McDonald's or Hungry? Uh, uh, what is it? Hungry Howies? No. What's the other hamburger? Burger King. There you go. We're going to get a Big Mac or a Whopper. They leave Jesus at the well. And the Samaritan woman comes to this well. I I, I love the fact that this Jesus is so real. I love the fact that he wasn't like the typical preachers of that day, religious, stodgy, only understood the letter of the law, but never understood the heart of God. I tell you, if you try to read the Bible from the black ink of the white pages without understanding the heart of God, it could be a nightmare. I thank God that Jesus came to be the translation of what was written in ink. And in him we see the fulfillment of what the word is meant to mean and what the word is meant to be. And so God deliberately puts a scenario in the New Testament that we could equate with today. Here's a woman, a Samaritan woman. Talk about prejudice. We live in a nation that had prejudice and still has prejudice. I'm going to tell you right now, and if you want to get offended, get offended, but I'm going to speak the truth. My priority is not to have great numbers. My priority is to raise and grow great people. And prejudice is an invention from the pit of hell. Jesus didn't die and shed one shade of blood for one color of people and another shade of blood for a different color of people. And when we stigmatize a whole race because of the actions of a few, we're foolish. Because I've seen just as many, i got to be careful the words I use. When I see just as many dumb Italians, I have to remember that they're not all dumb. And it doesn't matter what culture, what color, what race. There's good and there's bad and there's redemption for the bad. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Come on. Amen. I love the fact that Jesus was the first one to herald all lives matter. All lives matter. All lives matter. And prejudice is a rift that started in Satan's heart. And he spews it up on the earth. He really does. And we as Christians, we should not have coffee and tea with demons. We should not read their newspaper. We should not read their history books. We should not base our perspective on their perverted ideologies. I thank God that Jesus Christ paid the same price for every man and every woman. He paid the highest price. You know, value is determined by what the, com- the market is willing to pay for something. Do you know God determined the value of each and every person by paying the highest price? What are you worth? To God, you're worth his life. God came to earth and became one of us And gave himself up because that's how much value you have in his eyes and in his heart. Turn to somebody and say, this is good stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Rejection. People murmuring about you. People talking behind your back. People having prejudiced opinions of you people speaking ill of you, people oppressing you because of the color of your skin, whether it's white or black or brown or yellow, people being agents of demons, a world filled with hate and hurt. Jesus Christ came to carry the hate and the hurt and all the consequences of it so that his sons, so that his church could be washed clean, not just from their sins, but even from the scars of humanity. Amen. I love the fact that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to undo the curse that took place in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Praise God. It's amazing that he would be stretched out on this thing all but naked, whipped, beat up, spat at because he was determined to give you and me a better life. And then religious demons come along and they get preaching into the church and they want you to believe that the only thing your salvation did was make a place for you in heaven. I want to tell you, God's salvation made a place for me here on earth and made a place for you here on earth as well. Praise God. This is good stuff. Let me tell you something about a bruise. When a bruise is repetitively hit, when when the area of an unseen wound is repetitively traumatized and hasn't been allowed to heal, What happens physiologically, medically, is explained like this here. In fact, in the case of a physical bruise, when you have repetitively been bruised or bruised the same area without it healing, further bleeding and excess fluid accumulate, causing a hard fluctuating lump or swelling hematoma. This is called compartment syndrome in which the swelling of that region cuts off blood flow to the tissues. Now, you don't need a medical degree to know that if blood is being cut off and it's not flowing to the other regions, you got a serious problem left unattended. Can I get an agreement? If if untreated for a prolonged period, it may lead to permanent nerve or blood vessel damage leading to loss of muscle and nerve function. It can also lead to infection, necrosis, and ultimately amputation. So I want to tell you that repetitive emotional bruises left unattended can lead to emotional insensitivity and callousness, leading to the loss of normal everyday functioning, and ultimately emotional necrosis sets in and the person starts to die on the inside. What starts as emotional compartment syndrome progresses to the physical health of the human body, causing the body to fight itself and to malfunction. I am absolutely convinced, first and foremost from personal experience and having been delivered out of a spirit of inferiority and a spirit of rejection, Every disease, every major disease that I battled with in my body was based in autoimmune deficiencies. And I am absolutely convinced from years of counseling and seeing people get healed, delivered and set free that emotional trauma causes us to think less of ourselves. The whole purpose of emotional trauma is so that you believe it, and if you believe it, you're wounded, and if you're wounded, your self-esteem and your self-respect starts to drop. Your self-worth starts to drop. And you can equate that inch by inch to the fact That when we don't love ourselves and have a healthy self-esteem, it starts to speak to the function of our biological processes. And what happens is our autoimmune system starts to attack us just like the emotional wounds. Left unchecked, necrosis will set in and little by little we start to die piece by piece by piece. But I thank God that the God of salvation has a big enough imagination and a big enough heart to include that in the cross. He didn't just die for my sins. He died to make me well-rounded. He died to make me whole. He died to set me free and set you free as well. Man, I'm having fun. You know why I'm having fun? Because I can see it in the spirit world. I am pulling down every lie the devil has ever told you. I am exposing his handiwork, and I can see demons shaking in their boots because they know their day is finished. You know what John says? For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifest. For this reason, Jesus came. You know what the next bit says? To destroy, to obliterate all the works of the evil one. and includes the emotional scars and the wounds and the bruises. Jesus Christ came to destroy the handiwork of Satan. Somebody give the Lord a high five. So I said, I believe the number one cause behind autoimmune diseases comes from emotional trauma that led to negative self-image and a low self-esteem. A lot of physical healing is related to emotional healing. I have been healed of incurable things, not the least of which one was Crohn's. But I believe and I know for a fact that God healed me emotionally emotionally so that I could sustain my physical healings. He healed me on the inside where the damage first took place. You see, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise will bring healing. When I was a kid growing up in New York, in an Italian family, Two older brothers, you didn't have room to be soft. We played tackle, football, tackle, on cobblestone roads. It wasn't even smooth uh, asphalt or smooth concrete. If you've ever driven in Flushing, Queens and drove down some of the cobblestone streets Every stone was set at a different height. And we would play tackle on those streets. That was our norm. That was our field. That was our, I can't just say grass. Someone might misinterpret it. That was our, that was our field, our playground. But growing up in, in an Italian culture in New York, you had to become thick-skinned or you're going to be history. History mentally, and emotionally. And I thank God that the scars that the enemy put into me through my childhood became the scars Jesus took with him on the cross and paid a price for it and said, it is finished. Amen. Absolutely. You see, in uh, Proverbs 15:4, it says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a per- perverse tongue crushes the spirit. When I was a kid growing up in New York, you know, we, we'd get called all sorts of names. I mean, prejudice exists everywhere. We were wogs, we were dagos, we were all sorts of things. And uh, <clears throat> you didn't call me a dago, that's right. Because I'm strong as long as the day goes. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just thought of that. <laughs> but we, we were teased. We had a fight. I, I grew up learning how to fight on the streets. I did. Not that I was in a gang. I was just in New York. I mean, to live, you had to know how to fight. You couldn't walk to school and not get into a fight. You couldn't come home and not get into a fight. That was just the environment. And we had a saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is the biggest lie under the sun. Because the wounds you get from sticks and stones will be gone in a week. But the wounds you get from names will stay, stay with you till the day you die, unless Jesus sets you free. Amen. And so Proverbs says uh, that the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Well, uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty two: a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So a perverse tongue will crush the spirit, And a crushed spirit will dry up the bones. I'm going to tell you that emotional wounds and emotional scars will affect you physically. They will not just affect you mentally. And by the way, the mere fact that I say mentally, that should be a dead giveaway. Because your mind controls everything in your body. So it will affect your emotions. If it is affecting your mind, it will affect your emotions. And it will affect your physical body. And sometimes to be totally healed, we got to get things in our heart healed first. And that's why Jesus Christ died. By the whips of the Roman lashes, he brought out physical healing, but also by the bruises he incurred. And I'll show you where they bruised him in the Bible. By the bruises he incurred, he also broke blood under his skin for the scars that you and I have, the wounds that are not visible to the naked eye. No one sees anything but our emotional black and blues. Proverbs sixteen twenty four says, Gracious words are honeycomb. They are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. You cannot separate your physical body from your soul. You cannot separate your physical body from who you are emotionally. They are all connected. The fourth place that Jesus shed his blood was in his bruising. The first place was in the garden of Gethsemane where he wrestled with the will of of the flesh. And just like the first Adam should have said no to the devil, he let his wife do the talking for him. I already touched this last week. Men, if you really want to be a man, then you have to be a godly man who knows who he is spiritually. You will never be a full man without being a spiritual man. It's just divine order. It's biblical. You will never be a full man. I don't care how many times you work out in the gym. I don't care how rogue you look, how tough, how buff. I don't care how square your jawline is and how attractive you are. You will never be a man till you step into your spiritual uh, identity, who God defined you and destined you to be. And all the men said amen. amen. Absolutely. Praise God. But watch this here. The fourth place where Jesus shed his blood the first place was in the garden. He sweats drops of blood. The devil's tempting him. Should I break with God? Should I not go through this? He even talks to his father honestly and says, Dad, not my will. I, this isn't my gig. I, I, I don't feature. I, As I've been preaching around over the last three and a half years, I've seen a few people crucified. Not exactly the way I want to go out. But even so. If that's what it's going to take to break the curse on humanity, your will be done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that he didn't forfeit his right to choose godliness. The first Adam did. The last Adam didn't. He sweat drops of blood, and in the dropping of the blood from his sweat, he broke the curse of a sinful nature. If you're not bound by a sinful nature, give me a wave. Come on now. Well, then the rest of you haven't been listening to my preaching. Because I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I once was a sinner. I once had a sinful nature. I am now a partaker of the divine nature. Do you know that James rebukes us because good words and bad words come out of the same mouth? He says, how dare you do that? So you want to tell me that God wants you to be a partaker of a divine nature while you still have a sinful nature? So the very essence that God rebukes through the Apostle James, he's going to condone in himself? No, you're not partaker of a divine nature and a sinful nature. You're a partaker of a divine nature. That sinful nature was crucified on the cross. I'm going back three sermons. I'm going to start again from three weeks ago. The members I used to surrender as slaves to sin, now I surrender as slaves to righteousness. Why? I stand on the fact that it is finished. I stand on the cross. When He said it's finished, He wasn't saying, uh, oh, I'm about to die." <coughs> oh, oh, oh. No, when he said it's finished, he said, I have executed the plan of my father to undo everything that Satan did. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. The second place that he shed blood. The first was when he dropped sweats of blood The second place that he shed blood was when they whipped him with the whip, and he shed blood for our healing. The third place was when they put the crown of thorns on his head. I can't re-preach it. Listen to the series. You'll get it all. And he broke the curse that the earth should dominate us and that we should live in servitude to the earth and in poverty. He broke that curse. The fourth place he broke the curse, was here. Watch this here. In John chapter 19, verse 1 to 3. So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. They whipped him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns. They put it on his head. That's the uh, third place that he bled. They put on him a purple robe. And then they said, Hail the king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. They punched him. They slapped him. They hit him. It wasn't enough that his back was a bloody mess. It wasn't enough that they jammed thorns, three-inch thorns into his scalp. But now they also had to mock him and punch him and slap him. There are some uh, indications that they would hit him and say, prophesy, who hit you? Matthew twenty seven thirty. it says they spit on him and they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again and again and again. And every time they hit him with their hands, every time they punched him, They were breaking blood vessels under his skin and he was having invisible wounds to pay the price for the curses of Satan, for the uh, wounds and the bruises that demons have put on humanity. And he was paying the price so that we could be set free. They took a staff and they hit him again and again on the head. Mark chapter 15 verse 19, again and again they struck him on the head with a staff. They spit on him, falling on their knees, and then they paid homage to him. You see, it's connected to emotional wounds. They're mocking him. They're mocking him. And he's being bruised physically to pay the price For the emotional wounds that you have nurtured for the last 30 years. And Jesus Christ wants to take it off of you today. You know that emotional wounds will cripple us more than even a physical crippling disease. There are more people that are in wheelchairs emotionally. And that is not a disparaging comment, darling. But there are more people that are handicapped emotionally. In fact, most of us are because of the wounds we carry on the inside. And the whole world looks at us and they just see the smile on our face, but they don't see the torment in our soul. When they knocked Jesus on the head, when they punched him, when they slapped him, when they hit him with a rod and he broke vessels of blood, he was paying a price for every emotional scar and every emotional injury you and I have ever suffered at the hand of human beings and at the authorship of demons. I thank God that he cares about every part of me. I thank God that he is not so religious and pious that he was only concerned about putting my name in the book of life. That is the most important thing. But I thank God that he saw the creation that he created out of mud and he breathed life into it and he crowned it with glory and honor and he sees it broken on pedestals so that demons can use them as trophies and laugh at God and laugh at what was meant to be representative of the glory of God, I thank God that he saw creation one man at a time, one person at a time, and he said, this can't go on. I'm gonna set them free. Where was Jesus bruised? All over his body. You know, in Genesis 3.15, what curse did this break? Let me show you. In Genesis 3.15, in the New King James Version, God is prophesying what Adam and Eve unleashed. God's not saying, oh, now I'm going to punish you. This is what you're going to get. He warned them. If you let this cat out of the bag, death is going to come. And every part of you is going to start dying, necrosis. And so God just prophesied the results of what they unleashed. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in the New King James Version, it says he speaks to the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, between your kind and her kind. He's speaking of the demonic world and he's speaking of humanity. Yes, when he says her seed, it's capital S because he's also speaking prophetically of Yeshua, the Messiah, the Christ who would come to undo this curse. But God says that the demonic world will bruise the heel of humanity and they will bruise the heel of the anointed one. We call this the bruises of Satan, emotional trauma, emotional scars, inferiority. You get to a place where you think everyone else will be better off if you didn't exist. Why were you born in the first place? I want to tell you that is not the destiny of God speaking. That is the haunting echo of demons taunting humanity because they are jealous that you and I were created in the image of God and to bear the likeness of our Father. Hallelujah. Tell those devils to go to hell where they belong in Jesus' name. What curse was he breaking right there in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15? God prophesied that what would happen through the rest of humanity was that the devil's kind demons would nip and bite at the heels of humanity and everyone would carry the bruises of Satan in their lives. The best part is yet to come. It's what God did. In Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus shows up on earth. And he has a tango with the devil in the desert. And he slams the devil's face into the dirt. And in Luke 4.18 Jesus walks into a synagogue. They just happened to be passing around the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. This was already, by fact, that he had succeeded in the and had victory in the temptation. This was the initiation of his ministry, and they are prophetically passing out the scroll of Isaiah. In a paper Bible, it takes a while to flip to. We've got it all broken down into chapters and verses. That wasn't how it was written. But now try unrolling it on a scroll and get to, to chapter 53 or to chapter 61. Luke four eighteen. he was reading Isaiah 61. And this is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. He has sent me. He has purposed me. He has empowered me. For this reason... He has charged me to come to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And when you read that word oppressed in the Greek dictionary, it is the word throwo and it means to crush. The capillaries are crushed and bleeding happens under the skin. It means to bruise And it means to oppress. And Jesus said, I have come to set free, to set at liberty those that are bruised. Let me tell you, it wasn't just the words of your mother that hurt you. It's the demon that came to live in that lie who taunts you again and again and again and causes you to live as a victim of that moment. It's not just the words that your father said or the fact that he drove off as the wheels were spinning and dust was hitting your face and you never saw him again. No, it's the taunting, agonizing memory that demons constantly draw up from the well of your past and they shove it in your face and they say, you're not worth it, you're not worth it, you're not worth it. But I want to tell you something. Someone better than any human living being went to the cross and he said, You're worth it, you're worth it, you're worth it. it!" Hallelujah. For this reason, the Son of God came to obliterate the works of the evil one. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I think the Lord deserves a clap. To set at liberty, thank you. But you know what? I can't claim authorship. He wrote it. I'm just translating it. He came to set at liberty. In the Greek, those that are bruised. And when we're victims of bruises, there are little demons that live in the network of arguments and lies in our head that make us believe that the things that were spoken over us and the memory of the pictures of rejection and abandonment, they live in the network of words and thoughts and conclusions we came to. And because it was our father, it was our mother, it was a credible uh, elder in an authority position a brother or a sister or an uncle or an aunt or a neighbor that mom and dad were good friends with we have to rationalize it within ourselves and we give it credibility and we take credibility away from our self worth and demons say I love it in here this is a juicy place to stay Jesus took it to the cross The demons can't hang around anymore. You see, you have a choice today. to keep believing the lies that have imprisoned you and the lies that have wounded you. Or you can break free knowing God sent Jesus Christ to pay the price. And Jesus said, Jesus said, not Pastor Rob, it is finished so that we can say, It is finished in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I've given you enough theological foundation for you to be able to say yes and amen. So what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna open the altar up for prayer. I'm not here just to educate you or to give you information so that you could fight the devil. I've talked to my pastors and some of the other leaders, and i said, I want you to be ready. In fact, as I'm talking, start walking out the front. You know if you got a text from me this morning. And they're going to lay hands on you. We want to stand in agreement with you. Listen to me. Jesus doesn't want you to stay suffering. He doesn't want you to stay beat up. I love this Savior Because he loves every part of me. He thinks every part of you is worth it. Every part of you is worth it. Every part of you is worth it. And he paid the price for our absolute victory. And to be set free. So even now, as I'm speaking, if the sound team will start to play music, if the Spirit of God is talking to you, come on down. Come on. Everyone stand with me. Will you do that? I know there are a ton of wounds and hurts and where the enemy has tried to, you know, the devil likes to recreate man who was created in the image of God. He wants to recreate us in the image of him. Broken, perverted, distorted. He wants to cripple us from the inside. You know, you could be crippled on the outside and be a giant on the inside. Hello? You could be crippled on the outside and be a giant on the inside, but you'll never be a giant on the outside when you're crippled on the inside. And God wants to heal our soul. Can I have some music, please? Thank you. The Spirit of God is talking to you. I know that many of you have benefited from teaching and preaching like this over the last, even the last 12 months, I've preached on healing of the soul. But I I judge humanity. I look at humanity by looking at my own life. And I know that stuff surfaces in me. And sometimes I have to let the blood of Jesus revisit a place in my life, a memory, a wound, a hurt. You start coming down if you want prayer. Start coming down. Listen, your pride has never gotten you anything. Your pride has robbed more from you than anything else. Don't let pride rob you today. Because every one of us, whether the people put their hands up or not, whether they walk out the front or not, every one of us have been subject to the claws of demons. Every one of us have been scarred and mauled on the inside. And every one of us deserve to be set free by the power of the blood and the name of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray now that demons will not bind people in fear. That they will not stay bound and hidden. less. For the fear of what someone else would think. I pray right now that every yoke of bondage will be broken. And that people will be brave enough to claim the anointing that is here today. To ask a brother or sister to join with them in prayer. For their healing and their deliverance. I thank you, Holy Ghost, that you are here speaking the Word of God and you are speaking revelation. I thank you that you opened my mind so that I might understand some of the deeper things so that we can understand the deeper things. I thank you that you said it is finished so that we can say no more to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. I thank you. You paid a price and I'm going to soak up everything you paid a price for. Because the victory is mine in Jesus' name. The victory is mine in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, start to make your way to the front. If you need prayer, even if it's for physical healing, we have now today covered the fourth place Jesus shed his blood. If you need prayer for your, to deal with issues in your soul, Related to the enemy wanting to keep you in a habit or a bondage of sin, come on out the front. If you want these pastors to pray with you to break the curse of poverty and to break circumstantial curses that have always held you back, come on out the front. If you need a physical healing, by his stripes you are healed come on out the front and let them pray over your physical body this salvation is a real salvation it covers everything anything the devil could have taken god has sent his son to redeem it for us amen praise god so whether it's a physical healing some an issue in your soul where you need victory or whether it's a, a, an emotional thing Just come on down the front. Don't be afraid. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we will speak life over you. Demons have spoken death. People have spoken death. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I say to you, it's not silver or gold, but it is the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and behold on the inside and on the outside. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want everyone else, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, it's not about religion, it's about having this awesome relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The devil will tell you, you're too dirty, you're too guilty, God could never love you. That is a lie right out of Satan's text. Yes, it is. God couldn't prove his love more than spreading himself out on that cross. If you're here today and you've not asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, come on. The best thing that you will ever do is to let the King of Kings into your heart. That is the greatest thing. If you've walked away and you know you need to come back, then today respond. How many people here today want to ask Jesus in their heart? Come on, raise your hand with me right now and say, Yes, I want Jesus to come into my heart. Why don't you turn to your neighbor very quietly, respectfully, gently, and pay them a compliment by asking them, Would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? Offer to respond with them and, 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 uh, so that they can pray that prayer. Come on, turn to your neighbor. Be respectful, be polite, be sensitive, don't be rough, don't be harsh. Amen. Are there any that need to accept Jesus today? Well, then I want you all to agree with me for these people and anyone else who will join them in a moment when we end. I want you to agree with me in Jesus' name for their healing, their deliverance. How many of you remember when it was you out the front? How many of you remember? Now we're going to pray for them. Put your hands towards them, everybody, right now. Let's believe that today will be a demarcation. Today will be a line in the sand. Today will be the day that they are set free and healed emotionally and physically. Father, we come into agreement as your church. This is your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against us, the church. You didn't say the apostles, the preachers, the, po- the prophets. You said the church. And we pray on behalf of our friends, our brothers, our sisters. And we say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, let me hear you say it. In the name of Jesus. We rebuke the enemy of their soul. And we speak life over them and over us. That every one of us will be whole mentally, emotionally, and physically, and spiritually in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, if you believe it, give the Lord a praise offering. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. We're going to dismiss you. If uh, you have never done a discipleship course, a new Christians course, we are running one straight after service, free food. We give you all the materials, about $40 worth of materials. You can join us if you've never done a discipleship course. I'd love for you to join us. We want to make sure you have a, a square foundation, a solid foundation. And so you could jump in today and join us. The rest of you, God bless you. Did you enjoy church today? Did the word of God speak to you today? Amen. We give him the glory. Amen. Come on, turn around and give someone a hug, a high five, greedy,